Section 7 of Svanhilda and Other Fairy Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeff Burke. Svanhilda and Other Fairy Tales by Wilhelm Hauf. Translated by Carolyn Norris Horwitz. Section 7 Fatma's Rescue or the story told by the merchant Leza. My father was the Kadi in Accra. He had three children. I was the eldest. A brother and a sister were my juniors by some years. When I was twenty years of age, one of my uncles sent for me. He made me his sole heir, on condition that I remained with him until his death. I did not see my home again for some years and knew nothing of the terrible fate which had overshadowed my house and how graciously allah had guarded my family my brother mustapha was just two years older than our sister fatme they loved each other dearly and together strove to do all in their power to lighten the burdens of our sick father in his old age on fatme's sixteenth birthday my brother prepared a feast he invited all her friends he set out for them in his father's garden a handsome repast and when the evening had come he invited them to go on board a boat which he had hired and decked in festive array to give them a little row upon the sea fatma and her companions were delighted for the evening was very fine and the city viewed from the water formed a very beautiful picture the girls enjoyed themselves so much on the water that they persuaded my brother to go farther and still farther from the shore rather unwillingly mustapha complied he had but a few days before seen a pirate vessel cruising near where they then were and he did not wish to risk capture not far from the city a small island rose from the sea thither the maidens wished to go to see the sunset from the water as they rowed around the island they saw some distance from them a boat filled with armed men my brother anticipating trouble at once turned his rudder toward the land and rowed homeward with all his strength but the strangers seemed to have noticed his fright at once they rowed quickly after mustapha's boat pulled ahead of it and kept between it and the land for they had more oars than were in my brother's boat the maidens when they perceived what danger they were in sprang up screaming and calling for help in vain mustapha tried to reassure them in vain he begged them to keep quiet lest by their running to and fro in their excitement the boat would be overturned all his efforts were useless at last at the nearer approach of the hostile boat the girls all crowded to the farther side of their boat and over it went by this time however some men had been drawn to the shore by the tumult these now observed the hostile boat for some time our people had been on the lookout for a band of pirates against whom they had cause for many grudges several boats at once put off from shore to see what was the cause of the disturbance and discover to whom the strange boat belonged they came up just in time to rescue the drowning maidens in the confusion however the enemy's boat stole away unobserved and the men in the rescuing boats were not certain that they had really saved all the maidens mustapha at once looked through the two boats 
alas my sister and one of her companions were missing at the same time they discovered in one of the boats a foreigner whom no one seemed to know intimidated by threats from mustapha he acknowledged that he belonged to the enemy's ship she lay at anchor he said about two miles eastward his companions in the hostile boat had left him behind in their hasty flight while engaged in helping to rescue the drowning maidens he also said that he had seen his companions carry off two of the maidens on their ship the grief of my old father was terrible but poor mustapha was almost heartbroken not only was his beloved sister lost and through his heedlessness but her friend also had shared her sad fate this girl had been betrothed to mustapha by her parents my father however had not yet given his consent to the union the parents of the young girl were poor and of a humbler station in life but my father was a stern man when his grief had somewhat subsided he sent for mustapha your foolhardiness he said has robbed me of the comfort of my old age and the light of my eyes go hence i banish you forever from my sight my curse rest upon you and your descendants only when you bring fatma to me again shall your head be freed from the curse of your father my poor brother had not expected this he had already determined to go in search of his sister and his betrothed and only waited to receive the permission of his father but now alas he went out into the world burdened with a father's curse although before bowed down with grief at the loss of his sister in blaming himself as largely responsible for it yet he could not now but feel that his father's severity was more than he had merited he went to the captured pirate and asked him in what direction his ship was going he learned that the robbers dealt in slaves and that they generally disposed of their booty in the large marketplace at balsora when my brother returned home to prepare himself for the journey his father's anger seemed in a measure to have abated for he sent him a purse of gold to defray the expenses of his journey mustapha took a tearful farewell of his home and went on his way toward balsora and because just at that time there was no ship leaving our little city for balsora he took the journey by land he had therefore to travel very rapidly that he might arrive at the city before the pirates had left as he had a good horse he hoped to reach that city at the end of the sixth day but on the evening of the fourth day as he was riding on his lonely way suddenly three men rushed out upon him from a neighboring wood he saw that they were strong and well armed and that they doubtless would care more for his gold and his horse than his life he therefore called out to them that he would yield up his horse and gold they alighted from their horses and securely tying both his feet to the girth of his horse's saddle they placed him and his horse between two of the band the third of them seized the bridle of his horse and he was quickly led off without his assailants speaking one word mustapha gave himself up to gloomy despair his father's curse seemed already to have fallen upon him in its full weight how even by giving his own poor life for their freedom could he hope to rescue his sister and zoraida his betrothed if he were robbed of all his money mustapha and his silent keepers had ridden about an hour when they turned into a side valley 
the little valley had a goodly supply of tall trees a soft dark green turf lay underfoot and a little rivulet rippled through the middle of the valley everything seemed to invite the weary one to rest fifteen to eighteen tents were pitched in this charming valley many camels and fine horses were fastened to the tent pegs and from one of the tents there floated the sweet strains of a guitar and the sound of two fine male voices my brother felt as if the people who had chosen so beautiful a place for camping could not have any wicked intentions towards him he followed without compulsion the directions of his guides who when they had loosened his bonds motioned to him to descend they led him to one of the tents which was larger than the others the interior was hung with tapestry and decorated with ornaments magnificent gold-embroidered pillows elegant carpets and golden censers would have elsewhere bespoken great wealth and luxury but here they only told of robbery on one of the pillows sat a little old man his face was hideous his skin was swarthy and shining and a marked expression of turkish cunning about the mouth and eyes made him most repulsive to look at this little dwarf immediately attempted to assume a certain amount of dignity and my brother conjectured at once that it was not for him that this tent was so elegantly adorned the inquiry of his guide seemed to confirm his conjecture where is the fearless one of the robbers asked the little man he has gone on a little expedition he answered but he has commissioned me to take his place until he returns then he has not done a very wise thing the robber returned for it must soon be determined whether this dog shall die or pay ransom and that the fearless can decide better than you the little man drew himself up to his full height that he might reach with the tips of his fingers the ear of his opposer for it seemed he desired to revenge himself on the robber by a blow when however he saw that all his efforts were useless he began to abuse the robbers and call them names and truly the robbers did their part in turn so that the tent resounded with strife suddenly the curtains parted and a tall stately man entered the tent he was young and handsome his clothes and weapons with the exception of a richly set dagger and a glittering sword were plain and unassuming but his flashing eyes and his majestic bearing awakened instant respect who dares thus to begin strife in my tent he thundered out to the terrified offenders at first there was perfect stillness but at last the robber who had brought mustapha thither related what had taken place thereupon the face of this traitor whom the robber called fearless grew red with anger when could i have ever given you authority in my place villain he cried in a terrible voice to the dwarf the latter shrank so within himself from fear that he appeared even yet smaller than before as he slunk towards the door of the tent one step of the fearless was sufficient to make the little man dart from the tent with one tremendous spring when the dwarf had disappeared the three robbers led mustapha before the owner of the tent who by that time was reclining on the cushions behold we have brought unto thee him whom thou hast commanded us to capture said one of the robbers the fearless looked for some time at the captive and then spoke as follows pasha of sulieka 
thine own reason will tell thee why thou now standest before Orbasan. When my brother heard this, he prostrated himself before the chieftain. Oh, my lord, he cried, here surely is a terrible mistake. I am a poor unfortunate man, but not the pasha whom thou seekest. All in the tent were much surprised at this speech, but the lord of the tent answered, It availeth thee little to deny whom thou art, for I will bring before thee people who know thee well. He then ordained Zulema to be brought. An old woman was soon ushered into the tent. Dost thou recognize in this captive the pasha of Sulieka? the chief inquired. Indeed, well do I recognize him, she replied. I would swear it by the beard of the prophet. This is the pasha and none other. Seest thou, knave, how thy cunning availeth thee naught? began the fearless angrily. Thou art too far beneath me for me to deign to soil my good dagger with thy blood. But tomorrow morning at sunrise I will have thee tied to the tail of my horse, and so I will hunt with thee through the whole wood to where it opens behind the hills of Sulieka. Thereupon my poor brother's heart sank within him. Ah, the curse of my hard-hearted father has indeed brought me to this awful and premature death he exclaimed with tears in his eyes. And thou, sweet sister, and thou also, Zoraida, art lost forever. Your lamentations cannot help you, said one of the robbers to him, as he bound his hands behind his back. You had better come from the tent, for the fearless bites his lip and is looking at his dagger. If you would live one more night, come. Just as the robber was about to lead my brother out of the tent, they met three other men who were pushing in a captive. They brought him into the tent. Here have we brought unto thee the pasha, as thou hast commanded, said they, and dragged their prisoner before the chieftain. As the prisoner was led in, my brother had the opportunity of examining his face. At once he saw the resemblance between himself and this man. It was most apparent, except that the pasha's complexion was darker, and he had a black beard. The fearless seemed much astonished at the appearance of the two prisoners. Which is the right one? said he, as he looked first at my brother, and then at the other man. If you mean the Pasha of Sulieka, answered the prisoner in a haughty tone, I am he. The fearless gazed at him for some minutes with his earnest, flashing eyes. Then he motioned to have the Pasha taken away. When the robbers had taken the latest captive away, the chieftain went up to my brother, cut off the bonds with his dagger, and motioned him to take a seat on the cushions. I am very sorry, young stranger, said he, that I took you for that monster, but ascribe it as a merciful ordering of heaven, which allowed us to capture that villain just at the same hour in which you fell into the hands of my brothers. Mustafa begged him, as his only boon, to allow him to go on his journey at once, because delay with him was a matter of life or death. The fearless inquired what this urgent business was, and when Mustafa had told him all, the chieftain begged him to remain in his tent that night, for he and his horse would require some rest, and the following morning he would show him a way which would bring him to Balsora in half a day. My brother therefore consented. He was handsomely entertained, and slept soundly until the next morning in the robber's tent. 
when he awoke he found himself alone but behind the curtains of the tent he heard voices talking together which seemed to belong to the lord of the tent and the little dark dwarf he listened for a minute and heard to his terror that the dwarf was doing his best to persuade the chief to kill the stranger because if he were set free he would betray them all to the authorities mustapha saw at once that the little man bore him a grudge because he had fared the worst in the fray of the day before the fearless seemed to be thinking for a minute no said he he is my guest and a guest is sacred besides he does not appear to me as one who would betray our hiding-place when he had thus spoken the chieftain pushed back the tent curtains and entered joy be with thee mustapha said he let us take our morning draught and then thou canst prepare for thy journey he handed my brother a goblet of sherbet and when they had drunk they mounted their horses and truly with a lighter heart than had been his for some hours mustapha swung himself upon his horse's back they soon left the camp far behind them and entered a wide road which led into the wood the fearless told my brother that the pasha whom his men had captured the day before had once sworn that the band should never come to harm in his province yet a week ago one of their bravest men had been captured and this pasha had put him to death in the most cruel manner since the treachery he had been lying in wait for the pasha and now he must die mustapha did not venture to say anything in behalf of the unfortunate man he was only too glad to get off himself with a whole body at the opening of the wood the fearless stopped his horse and described to my brother the way to balsora he offered his hand for a last farewell and said mustapha you have in a strange manner been the guest of the robber orbasan i will not make you swear not to reveal what you have seen or heard you have unjustly been made to feel the fears of death and i owe you some compensation take this dagger as a keepsake and when you need help send it to me and i will hasten to your assistance take to this purse it may be of service to you on your journey my brother thanked him for his generosity and willingly took the dagger the purse however he refused but orbasan pressing his hand once more let the purse fall to the ground and turning his horse galloped off into the woods when mustapha saw that orbasan had apparently no idea of returning he dismounted and picked up the purse but he was amazed at the liberality of his host for the purse contained a large amount of gold he thanked allah for his preservation commended to his care the noble robber and his band and with a light heart went forward on his way to balsora leza left off speaking and looked at ahmed the oldest merchant interrogatively well if this be so said ahmed then i will have a better opinion of orbasan for truly he acted handsomely toward your brother he acted like a true Muslim, exclaimed Moulet. But I hope you have not finished your story, for we are all anxious to hear more of your brother's adventures and whether he ever rescued Fatma, your sister, and the fair Zoraida. If it does not weary you, I will with pleasure tell you more, for my brother's story is indeed marvelous throughout and full of adventures. At noon on the seventh day of his journey, mustapha entered the gate of balsora 
as soon as he had reached the first caravansary he asked when the slave market which was held there each year would begin to his horror he received the answer that he had come just two days too late they told him that he had missed one of their finest sales for on the last day of the market two slaves had been offered for sale whose exquisite beauty attracted the eyes of all men had fought together for the privilege of buying them but they were held at so high a price that there was only one in the city who could afford such a purchase and he was now their owner mustapha made more minute inquiries about these slaves and concluded that without doubt they were the unfortunate ones he sought he also learned that the man who had purchased the two slaves lived about forty hours journey from balsora his place was called thiuli kos he was distinguished and rich but was quite an old man he had been in earlier years the chief pasha of the grand signor but he had now with his accumulated riches retired from public life mustapha's first impulse was to spring again to horse and hasten to the castle of thiuli kos which was only a day's journey from where he was but when he remembered that he could not safely take the long journey alone still less venture to carry with him the purse he thought of another plan which he soon carried out the great resemblance between himself and the pasha of sulieka which had so nearly cost him his life suggested the idea of visiting thiuli kos under that name thus he could examine the castle and find out the best means of rescuing the two unfortunate maidens for this purpose he hired horses and servants for this orbasan's gold came in well he arrayed himself and servants in elegant clothes and started on his way toward thiuli castle in two days he came in sight of the castle it was built on a beautiful plain and was surrounded by a wall almost as high as the building itself before going to the castle mustapha dyed his hair and beard black his face he smeared with the juice of a plant which gave his skin a brownish hue quite like that of the pasha then he went to the castle and sent in a servant requesting lodging for the night under the name of the pasha of sulieka the servant soon returned and with him four slaves clothed in rich apparel taking mustapha's horse by the bridle they led it into the castle court here they helped him to dismount whereupon four other servants conducted him up a wide flight of marble steps into the castle in this fine old castle my brother was treated with great consideration and hospitality the best that the cook could produce was set before him after he had partaken of the refreshments he turned the conversation to the subject of the two new slaves thiuli as the lord of the castle was called extolled their beauty but regretted that they always seemed so sad he hoped however that would soon wear off my brother was very much pleased with this beginning and he laid himself down to rest that night with good hopes of rescuing the two maidens he had slept about an hour when he was awakened by the shining of a lamp held over his face he had raised himself on his couch and thought surely that he was dreaming for there before him stood the little dark-brown dwarf from orbasan's tent a lamp in his hand and his large mouth wide open with laughter mustapha pinched himself to ascertain if he were really awake but the figure still stood before him 
what do you wish at my bedside cried out mustapha when he had somewhat recovered from the surprise do not excite yourself sir replied the dwarf i know well for what you have come hither neither was your natural face concealed from me though truly if i had not myself helped to hang that very pasha of sulieka i would have been deceived by your disguise but now i have come to make you an offer tell me at once whence you came exclaimed mustapha in a rage at having been discovered i will tell you answered the dwarf i could not agree any longer with the fearless therefore i fled but you mustapha were the first cause of our disagreement you must therefore give me your sister to be my wife and i will help you to rescue her if you refuse me this then i will go to my new master and tell him something about the new pasha my brother was nearly beside himself with fear and rage now just as he believed himself to be on the point of accomplishing the object of his journey this wretch must come up and spoil it all there was only one thing which could save his plan he must kill the hateful dwarf with this determination mustapha sprang out of his bed toward the dwarf but the latter perhaps anticipating this result let the lamp fall so that it went out in uttering fearful yells for help he slipped off in the darkness now indeed would good advice have been precious my brother saw that he must for the time give up the cause of the captive maidens and think of self-preservation he went therefore to the window to see if he could not spring out it was somewhat too high from the ground and on the further side of the courtyard there was a high wall which must be climbed over he stood for a moment in doubt what to do then he heard the sound of many voices approaching his room already they were at the door becoming desperate he seized his dagger and clothes and swung himself out the window the fall was stunning but he found that he had broken no bones he sprang up and ran to the wall which enclosed the yard and to the astonishment of his pursuers climbed over it and soon found himself clear of all pursuit he fled until he came to a small wood where exhausted he threw himself down on the ground here he quickly considered what next was the best course to pursue his horse and servants he had been obliged to leave behind but the gold which he carried in his girdle he had saved his inventive mind soon showed him another mode of rescuing the maidens he went through the wood until he came to a village where at a very low price he bought a horse that carried him in a short time to the city of balsora arrived there he inquired for the best physician in balsora and was recommended to an old and experienced man mustapha persuaded the old man by means of a gold piece to sell him a medicine that would produce a death-like sleep which could be removed by means of another medicine when my brother had possessed of these potions he bought a long false beard a black gown some books and instruments so that he might pass for a travelling physician loading an ass with these things he set out for thiuli kos he was certain this time of not being recognized for the beard so changed his appearance that he scarcely knew himself when he arrived at thiuli kos he had himself announced as the physician chakamanka budibaba as he had anticipated the splendid name gave him great importance in the eyes of the simple old lord who at once invited him to dinner 
he had been there less than an hour when the lord determined to have this wise physician examine the condition of the health of all his female slaves mustapha could scarcely conceal his joy at the thought that he would now see again his beloved sister and with a beating heart he followed thiuli to the seraglio they entered a room which was elegantly furnished but found no one in it my dear doctor chambaba or whatever you are called said thiuli do you see that hole in the wall through that each of my slaves will one by one pass their arms and you can then feel their pulses and see if they are in good health mustapha might look which way he liked he could not see their faces yet thiuli expected him to tell the general health of each one thiuli drew out of his girdle a long paper and began to call his slaves one by one by name a hand was stretched through the hole in the wall at each name and the physician felt the pulse six had been called and declared in good health when thiuli read out the seventh name fatme and thereupon a little white hand was stretched through the hole in the wall trembling with joy mustapha seized the hand and with a grave anxious expression on his face declared her to be quite sick thiuli was very much concerned and ordered the wise chakamanka buddhibaba to prepare with all speed a remedy for the sick slave the physician went out and wrote on a little sheet of paper fatme i can rescue you if you will take this medicine which for two days will make you appear as dead but i possess the means of bringing you again to life if you consent to this send me word that the medicine has not relieved you and it shall be to me a sign that you have agreed to my plan the physician then returned to the room where he had left thiuli he brought with him a little harmless medicine went again to the wall to feel the sick fatma's pulse and at the same time pushed the note under her bracelet the drink however he handed her openly through the hole in the wall thiuli seemed to be very much troubled at fatma's sickness and put off inquiring as to the health of the other slaves for some future day when he and mustapha had left the room he said in a melancholy tone chadi baba tell me frankly what you think of fatma's condition chakamanka buddhibaba answered with a deep sigh alas my lord may the prophet send you comfort she has a lingering fever from which she cannot recover thereupon thiuli grew very angry and said what do you say you cursed dog of a physician shall she for whom i paid two thousand gold pieces die of a fever know this that if you do not cure her your head shall be hewn from your body my brother now perceived that he had been too hasty so he gave thiuli some hope there now entered a black slave who came from the seraglio to tell the physician that the medicine had done no good do all in your power to save her chakamata belda or whatever you are called and i will pay you all you ask cried thiuli half beside himself at the thought of such a loss i will give her a drink which will free her from all danger answered the physician oh yes by all means give her some remedy replied the old lord mustapha went rejoicing to fetch his sleeping draught when he had given it to the slave and showed him how much was to be taken at once he returned to thiuli and said he must now fetch some medicinal herbs from the sea and hastened out of the gate 
when he reached the seashore which was not far distant from the castle he pulled off his disguise and threw it into the sea where it floated on the surface of the water he himself however hid in the bushes here he waited until night and then crept stealthily into the graveyard of thiuli's castle in less than an hour after mustapha's departure from the castle thiuli received the news that fatme was dying at once he sent to the seashore to capture the physician but the slaves soon returned with tidings that the poor physician had fallen into the sea and been drowned his long black cloak could be seen floating on the water and once his venerable beard had even appeared above the waves when thiuli saw that there was no redress he cursed himself and all the world tore his beard and beat his head against the wall when however they brought him word that fatme was dead thiuli ordered her coffin to be made immediately for he could not suffer a dead body to remain in his house for an hour he therefore had the bier borne to the graveyard at once the bearers bore the coffin thither set it down quickly and fled for they thought they heard coming from some of the other graves sighs and groans mustapha who was hiding behind one of the graves had himself uttered the groans and sighs to frighten off the slaves he now approached the coffin and lit a lamp that he had brought with him he produced a bottle which contained the restoring medicine and raised the lid of fatma's coffin but ah what was his surprise to see by the light of his lamp a perfect stranger neither his sister nor yet zoraida lay in the coffin but one whom he had never before seen it was some time before mustapha recovered from this last blow of fate but at last his anger gave place to pity he opened his bottle and poured some of the medicine down the slave's throat she breathed and opened her eyes she seemed wondering where she was she at length seemed to recall the whole occurrence she sprang out of the coffin and knelt at mustapha's feet how can i thank you cried she o kind deliverer for freeing me from that dreadful slavery mustapha interrupted her flow of gratitude with the question how had it happened that she and not his sister fatma had been rescued she looked at him for a moment and then exclaimed now for the first time i understand my rescue which was before a mystery to me this is the mistake i am called fatma in that castle and you gave me the card and the medicine my brother asked her to give him some news of his sister and zoraida fatma informed him that they were both in the castle but were called by two other names mirza and nurmahal when fatma the rescued slave saw how sad and downcast my brother looked at this intelligence she promised to show him a way by which he could save both the maidens encouraged by this idea mustapha's hope revived and he begged her to tell him what she meant she answered him as follows for five months i have been thiuli's slave i have been planning from the beginning some means of freeing myself but without assistance i could not carry out my plans in the inner court of the castle you have perhaps noticed a fountain which throws its jets of water out of ten tubes this fountain attracted my attention there was a similar one in my father's garden the waters of which were forced up through a broad canal now to learn whether this fountain was so constructed i praised its beauty and power before thiuli and asked him the name of the architect 
i constructed it myself he answered and what you see here is the least part of the work for the water comes from a bay at least ten thousand paces distant and flows here through a wide canal the shallowest part of which is four feet deep all this i planned myself after i had heard this i often wished earnestly that if but for a few minutes i had the strength of a man that i might raise one of the huge stones in the wall by the side of the fountain then i might have fled whither i would i will now show you the canal through which you can enter the castle and free those whom you seek but you must have with you at least two men to overpower the two slaves that guard the seraglio at night when the slave had finished speaking mustapha although twice disappointed in his hopes yet again took courage and hoped with allah's help to carry out the slave's plan he promised to see her safely to her own home if she would help him to enter the castle but one thought somewhat dimmed his hope where could he secure two or three faithful assistants he suddenly remembered orbasan's dagger and the robber's promise to hasten to his assistance in any time of need he therefore started off at once with fatma the slave in search of the robber chief in the same village where he had disguised himself as a physician mustapha now with almost the last of his money bought a horse he lodged the slave with a poor woman in the village until he should return he then hastened to the hills where he had first met orbasan and in three days he reached his destination entering the tent of orbasan unannounced he was cordially welcomed mustapha related his unsuccessful attempts to rescue his sister the grave orbasan could not forbear laughing now and then at the strange adventures and especially at the name chakamankabudibaba but as the behavior of the dark dwarf was described he grew furious and swore to hang him with his own hands on whatever spot he should find him he promised my brother to accompany him with his men to thiuli kos castle as soon as mustapha had rested from the fatigue of his hasty journey mustapha remained that night in orbasan's tent but with the earliest morning light they started on their journey orbasan took with him three of his strongest and bravest men well mounted and well armed they rode rapidly and in two days reached the little village where mustapha had left the rescued slave from here they rode with the slave to the wood from which they could see a short distance away the castle of thiuli there they dismounted and waited for the night as soon as it was dark guided by fatma they crept along the side of the bay until they reached the opening of the canal here they left the slave fatma and one of the robbers with the horses and proceeded to follow the canal but before they separated fatma repeated to them her directions namely that when they came to the fountain in the inner castle court they would see two towers one on the right side and one on the left if they would enter at the sixth door counting from the right-hand side they would find mustapha's sister fatma and zoraida guarded by two black slaves well provided with weapons and crowbars mustapha orbasan and two others descended into the canal they sank about up to their girdles but went forward none the less actively within half an hour they reached the fountain and at once set to work with their crowbars the stone wall was thick and firm 
but it could not long resist the united strength of four men and they soon made an opening large enough to slip through into the court orbasan passed through first and helped the others to follow when they were all in the court they looked around to make sure of entering the door described by the slave fatma but they were not certain which it was for as they counted toward the right side of the tower they found one door which was walled up and they could not tell whether fatma had counted this door or not but orbasan did not stop long to consider my good sword shall open to me every entrance way he whispered and went up to the sixth door the others following they opened the door and found six black slaves lying asleep on the floor they were about to go softly out again seeing that they had entered the wrong door when a figure in the corner raised itself up and in a well-known voice called for help it was the dwarf of the robber's tent before the slaves knew what had happened orbasan strode up to the dwarf tore his girdle in two gagged his mouth and bound his hands behind his back the chieftain then turned on the slaves three of whom mustapha and the two robbers had already bound and now with orbasan's help the remainder were secured they pointed their daggers at the breasts of the slaves and asked where nurmahal and mirza were they received the answer that they were in the adjoining apartment mustapha entered the room there to his delight he found fatma and zoraida who had been awakened by the noise by his direction they hastily gathered together their jewels and clothing and followed mustapha in the meanwhile the two robbers proposed to orbasan that they should take with them all the valuables within their reach but orbasan forbade it saying no one shall have cause to say of orbasan that he breaks into houses in the night to steal gold mustapha and the two rescued maidens slipped quickly through the hole in the wall and down into the canal whither orbasan promised to follow immediately when the others had descended into the canal orbasan and one of the robbers took the dwarf and led him out into the courtyard here they tied around his neck a thick cord which they had brought with them for the purpose and hung him on the highest point of the fountain when they had thus punished the knave for his rascality they descended into the canal and followed mustapha with tears of joy and gratitude the two rescued maidens thanked the chieftain orbasan however bade them tarry not but hasten on their journey for said he thiuli will probably send out and search for you in all directions the next day mustapha and the maidens parted from the noble orbasan with many words of thanks and gratitude fatma the freed slave was escorted to balsora from there she was sent by ship to her own home after a short and pleasant journey mustapha fatma and zoraida arrived at my father's house the old man was nearly frantic with joy at the return of his dear ones the day after their arrival he prepared a great feast in which the whole town took part before a large assembly of friends and townspeople my brother had to relate his adventures and the whole assembly unanimously praised in the highest terms both his and the noble robber's bravery when my brother had finished his story my father arose and led zoraida to mustapha now said he in a joyous voice do i raise my curse from off your head take this beautiful maiden as the reward which by your untiring zeal you have earned for yourself 
receive my blessing and may the men of our city never fail while the city lasts to imitate your example of brotherly love wisdom and zeal the caravan had now reached the end of the desert the weary travelers greeted with rapture the soft green turf and the trees with their thick green foliage near the opening of the desert in a beautiful valley stood a caravansary the merchants therefore agreed to take a day's rest in this tempting place this was desirable both for themselves and also for the sake of their tired animals that they might lay in new strength for the remainder of their journey the day was spent in outdoor amusements but when supper was over they called upon the youngest merchant to tell them of some adventure or to relate some story to while away the evening Moulay, thus called upon replied that his life had been without any adventure worthy of record but he would tell them with pleasure the story of the false prince end of section seven